back to Beyond the Diamond. We're your hosts, Colby Rush and Hunter Broadbent. Remember to follow us on Insta at Beyond the Diamond Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the DIA Pod. Let's get right into today's show. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Um, so another busy week in baseball today. Love we'll some more Major League news for you. Um, ton of free agency signings and some big trades. But uh, we want to start off with some sad news with yesterday morning waking up to the passing of Hank Aaron. Um, just a really tough day for the game. Aside from being a massive baseball star, just a big cultural icon too, for how, ma- how many people looked up to him, his accomplishments on the field speak for themselves, but you have a guy that passes away and five presidents put out statements for him. That says a lot about his character. Yeah, I mean, I can't say it any better myself. He was one of a kind, one of one, probably. There aren't any, there's no one like him. Every legend has their own story, but he his was definitely one of a kind for sure. And it's, it was definitely a sad day for baseball. I remember texting you just with a sad face emoji, just cause it's, it's heartbreaking when you see news like that of any legend, but especially him. Yeah. I mean, and a guy like him who still seemed like he had stuff to give because he was just getting his COVID vaccine a couple of weeks ago, he seemed like he was in good shape. So the shock of it always makes it even more sad in that case. Um, but I mean, you talk about a guy that, he could keep anybody starstruck. I mean, when J.D. Martinez got the Hank Aaron Award in 2018, I remember him talking about just how much of an honor that was. And for a guy like him that's a superstar in the game, you don't get you don't get that reaction from many people. But Hank Aaron, is he was a special guy. And um, you look to everything, also everything he went through in his life during the home run chase, catching Babe Ruth, all the racism and the death threats. I mean some terrible stuff and persevering in the face of that just shows how great of a guy he was and how amazing what he did was and why it was just so sad for the game. Yeah, I can't agree more. You said it perfectly. And then also losing Don Sutton, just it's been a really tough year for the baseball hall of fame. Looking back in 2022 with guys like Lasorda, Gibson, Brock, it's been tough. So we would love to not wake up to news of a big legend passing away every day. So it would be nice if we could stop having that be the case. Yeah, no, I agree. It sucks. Uh, sucks that this happened. Sucks that death is a thing, but we got to move on and just remember them and keep their, uh, their memories and keep them heard of. Yeah, for sure. And you'll see plenty of celebration of Hank Aaron. It would be cool to see everybody wear 44 for a day or something, even if it's not retired, just a a day to honor him would be something nice as we look forward to 2021. Yeah, I agree. Well, if we want to cheer everybody listening to the show up a little bit, there was a ton of action that happened on the hot stove in the last week. Um, there are some big signings that you might have heard about, and then some smaller ones might have flown under the radar, including right up till today. So the most obvious one that everybody had their eyes on is George Springer, one of the biggest tickets on the market. He is finally off the board, heading to the Toronto Blue Jays on a six-year contract. I I mean, I love the deal. I, I think that solidifies the middle of the order for the Blue Jays. They have all those young stars, uh, Bichette, uh, Biggio, uh, Guerrero, who could be a superstar one day. Uh, And if they all live up to the hype, having Springer right there in the middle of that order, that makes them probably when healthy, 
one of the top lineups in baseball. And if they can just shore up that pitching staff, I'd, I'd put them in con- contention to win the AL East. I no doubt. I mean, it's hard not to love that lineup. I mean, you mentioned all the guys. The Blue Jays hope has to be that uh, Vlad Guerrero lost some weight in the offseason. He was looking pretty sharp in winter ball. So can he be even half of the guy he was hyped to be? Because if so, that's a special talent that hasn't broken out of his shell just yet in the major leagues. I mean, remember all the hype of him on the day he got called up, the Rogers Center being packed. So um, BGO Bichette, obviously. Yeah, Springer's just a great veteran influence to supplement that lineup, be a stable force in the outfield for years to come. And then if you make it to the postseason, watch out because he will put up some massive numbers. Completely agree. He's the postseason. I mean, what, game one, he hits just bombs every every series. It's He's a great, great guy in the postseason to have. Great October player and to have that veteran presence around those young guys who are still developing with a ton more in their farm system still, pitching included. That's a huge get for them. Six years too. I don't care about age or anything. He'll be good for a while because of that size and they can move him to DH if they need to, but I I don't think they'll need to. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a lot of money, but there's sometimes that you have to pay up to get the talent. And this was, a, this was a good deal for the Jays. Um, it's hard not to love it. Um, and he transcends all of the Houston scandal because it was clear that in 2019 and 2020, he was still doing some big time damage in the postseason. So just mm-hmm. a guy it's hard not to like, and especially shout out to UConn baseball. Yeah, for sure. They suck. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that one. Um, so the Blue Jays thought they were getting another Astro in Michael Brantley, but Turns out uh, that was a hole to do. Um, even that Kendrick- was uh, quite the story. I mean, we all got got. I mean, everyone but Jeff Passan, I will say. The GOAT, obviously. He has been the number one guy of late. He's had most of the reports, and he's just the best. So, um, yeah. But all the Toronto fans thought they had Brantley. I mean, it would have been a great signing for them. They would have been a crowded mm-hmm. outfield with uh, guys like Lourdes Gurriel probably being forced out of a spot. But, I mean, Michael Brantley, that guy is the most consistent hitter in the game. I mean, he's up there. LeMayhew is another guy that's one of the most consistent. But Michael Brantley's game is fantastic, and he just hits and hits. So would have been a great deal for the Jays. Um, but obviously that didn't happen, and he is back in Houston now. So big deal that Houston could bring him back because they need to solidify that team being as close as they were last year and bringing back their most consistent player is a big deal. Yeah, especially with the loss of Springer. And I mean, I will say, I did text you even after the Brantley news of him going back to the Astros went public. I was like, until Passan reports it, I'm not believing it. I'm not getting got twice in one day. (laughs) But eventually every news outlet reported it. And so I was like, yeah, that works. But back to Brantley, I mean, he's a great player, a great uh, return for the Astros because – Losing Springer's huge. He was, I mean, their best postseason player, even after uh, the whole scandal. So getting Brantley back, who also plays the same position, is huge for that team. And I don't know, maybe he can play center field too if he gets his legs under him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it seems like he might be left fielder DH type at this point in his career. So as of now, their outfield with Reddick being gone as well has Kyle Tucker and Miles Straw. So there's some youth there. Uh, Tucker has has proven himself a little bit lately. I like his game, but bringing back the veteran presence in Brantley is big. 
and still a really good team. Um, you got the rotation with Greinke and McCullers leading it up, and then the younger guys like Framber Valdez, Christian Javier. They're they're not going anywhere, even if even if the things look a little different in Houston. That's still a strong team. I completely agree, and I, I'm a huge fan of Tucker's. I think if he was brought up on in any other organization, he would he would be in the spotlight right now being brought up on the Astros when they were having, having their run, it's tough to get brought into a team that's so good. But I think now is his time to shine for sure. I think he might have a Yastrzemski like season next year where he flies under the radar, but is also having like all-star like numbers for sure. Yeah. I mean, his first really like full-time playing was in the 2019 postseason. So that's, that's a real easy stage to break in on. Um, <laughs> Houston's made a few other moves to solidify their roster too, bringing back Jason Castro to back up Maldonado or maybe split time. We'll see how they want to do it. But former fan favorite there, especially during the rebuild, he was one of the lone superstars at the time during his heyday. So good signing there. And Pedro Baez, he never thought he would leave the Dodgers, but definitely helping the bullpen that came up a little short in October. Yeah, no, I agree. It's the, They'll be a good team next year. The AOS will be interesting with the Angels uh, also in the mix, and the A's will always be there. They're like the Rays of the West. So it'll definitely be a fun fun division to watch. No matter what you think about the A's, they will always stick around. Mm-hmm. So it seems like Presley will probably be closing for them again since they're moving on from Osuna. Um, but bring in a few more guys perhaps to add to that team, and they're right back in pennant contenders. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, and I mean, the Angels brought in uh, Jose Quintana, uh, I believe on the same day as Springer, so it was a little overshadowed. But it's still big news. I mean, talk about a team that's going downhill. The Cubs have lost everyone. They don't seem to want to try. But on the other side, the Angels brought in a pitcher who they definitely need. Even if he's a back-end guy, they need pitching. I don't care how good he is. They just need arms. Yeah, he's a very consistent arm at that, too. Um, usually makes 30 starts a year, year anywhere from in the 3-4 range. So very durable guy. Um, put up some good numbers over the course of his career. It's hard not to like. There's still more work to be done, but you slot him in behind Bundy. You have Heaney. Um, I would love to see the Angels get a guy like Tanaka. There were some rumors out there that he might think about going back to Japan. But he could be a really good compliment and a good mentor for Shohei Otani. Um, you do worry about his arm seems like it's held together by some string right now, but somehow he made all the starts for the Yankees, got the job done. So, I mean, he's got a nice track record. So I think that could be a good fit in Anaheim. I, I completely agree. I mean, especially with Otani there. I mean, he he's been okay, but having a veteran presence like Tanaka to guide him would be really big for the Angels who view Otani probably as their ace in the future. So getting a Yankees former ace who was very good when he was their ace would definitely help that process move along. Yeah, um, and we'll see what happens. Shohei looked good in 2018 when he was pitching, but obviously then he needed the Tommy John and struggled out of the gate this year before they reverted him to just DHing. So we'll see what happens there. I was a big fan of him on the mound, even more so than his bat when he first came over from Japan a few years ago. So hopefully for his sake, he bounces back because if the Angels have uh, prime Shohei on the mound, 
that rotation is looking really good. So we'll see what they do. I completely agree with that. Um, and Kurt Suzuki, nice veteran presence for them behind the plate. Obviously just winning the World Series with the Nats a few years ago. Hard not to like that one. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Boston picked up a few guys. How do you like those? Yeah, um, obviously uh, they were known as the interest kings this offseason. <laughs> Seems like they're interested on everybody but falling short. But some dominoes starting to fall this week. Martin Perez, fan favorite, connected to everybody really well in the city. And had a nice little year for the Sox in a year that it was clear the rotation struggled. Perez was the one consistent, put up some good numbers. Very nasty cutter. So hard not to like them bringing him back. Um, Garrett Richards is a big one. The Tommy Johns have been a big problem for him in his career. It feels like he gets it every year. His pure stuff is filthy. Um, the slider, he's got nice velocity. So if he stays healthy, that could be a really good signing, almost akin to like the Rays getting Charlie Morton um, on a lesser scale. But if they yeah. can unlock the Garrett Richards of old, and have him pitching to his full potential, that's dangerous. And um, Chris Sale will be back at some point. Hopefully, Eduardo Rodriguez is about from COVID. He's doing better now. So if you have a rotation that looks something like um, Sale, Rodriguez, Perez, Richards, Pavetta, Tanner Houck, that's looking really good. So for a rotation that struggled last year, Sox seem to be bouncing back pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree. It's definitely a big if, if he can bounce back. But if he can, it's a great signing. Um, it's definitely a low-risk, high-reward situation for them. And a team who used to be able to develop pitchers really well and last year didn't have that success. So maybe they can rekindle some of that fire this year and develop him a little better. If not, I mean, it's not it's not like it's the end of the year, They're end of the world. They're rebuilding, obviously. So it's not terrible if he sucks. Chris Sale is definitely a big piece, though, because he's a big ticket guy. He's a lot of money on their uh, salary. Uh, so he needs to do well this year. And I also just realized I didn't mention Nathan Valdi earlier. Uh, how can you forget him? Uh, another big guy on the salary, another guy that struggles <laughs> with injuries, but has the potential to be good, as we've said throughout Nathan Valdi's whole career. His stuff is filthy. He has a hard time harnessing it sometimes and staying healthy, but had a pretty solid 2020. It was up and down a little bit, but on the whole, he was pretty good. So I was still a fan of the Evaldi signing, even though Dave Dombrowski took a lot of heat for it. I still love the guy's potential. So got two years left in the deal. So let's see if something can happen with it. But I mean, from an agent side of things, that agent serves a raise. That was great. Great deal from the agent side. The exactly. team side definitely a little high for base just based on a single postseason. It's like it was the ideal situation where you trade for him, let ride him to the World Series, and then let him go. And I think that's shown out a little bit. He does have some potential, but injuries have definitely been getting in the way. If he can, I don't know, maybe he's worked with the pitching staff this offseason to help that. So if he can stay healthy, I love it, but that's a big if too. Yeah, the 2018 postseason is the definition of squeezing everything out of them. And there were repercussions of it the next year, but I'll take it for the World Championship. 2019 was far from perfect, but uh, 2018 was a pretty special season. So, I'll agree. so it's a debate, but 
<laughs> yeah. Then the uh, other San move Diego. the Sox making was uh, Kike Hernandez. Oh, he, yeah. I, yeah. All right, you didn't mention that. Filling in the uh, second base spot, probably. Uh, he can play the outfield, but we'll see how much they want to deploy him out there. Uh, another guy that's a fan favorite. I mean, everybody loves Kike out in L.A. Um, almost picking up the Brock Holt role a little bit in that sense, in terms of being the utility guy that, that people have fun with. But there are definitely some merits to it. He hits lefties very well. So two-year deal, pretty reasonable at that also. No, it's. I, I mean, I love the signing personally because it takes him out of the Dodgers uh, lineup where he was – he was another heart and soul guy like Justin Turner for them. So uh, I'm all for him going, leaving the Dodgers. I think that's a big mess up for them. I think they, they, they need him more than they think in the postseason. He's a big postseason guy. He is. I mean, you think back to that game, he had the three home runs to clinch the pennant in Chicago um, or that big home run against the Braves last year against Minter. Mm. He always shows up in the big moment. So it's been a little odd. You haven't seen the Dodgers do too much this offseason. They brought Blake Trinan back, but Justin Turner's still out there. They let Kike walk. So you wonder if the Dodgers are going to be more active soon before this I spring mean, training. Heats up. The report did come out that they're in on Bauer. So you have to think something's brewing. That would certainly change the narrative if they got Trevor Bauer. Um, there were also reports the Mets are still in on him, which there's been some back and forth on that throughout this offseason. Um, the Mets, Giants, I have to think. Possibly uh, Giants. I heard a, a new report where the I think it's the Giants, Angels, and Dodgers. I don't think the Padres were part of it. Are the only teams where they could offer just giant one-year contracts? I don't know why the Giants or Angels would do that. I get why the Dodgers would do that. Yeah. But I don't. They're like I think it, the report was like maybe Bauer could consider this instead of signing a big deal get like the one year like mega deal which i don't hate to be honest as a giants fan i don't like it but as like a fan of baseball i don't hate it and he was the one that originally talked about that a few years ago in the interview that uh he had that bet with his friend that he would never take anything other than one year deal um so yeah there would definitely be merits to it to going to a team like the dodgers or maybe even the mets uh but the angels or giants do seem more like long-term fits as opposed to win right now teams i mean maybe the angels are more of a win now team but the giants are in the middle of a rebuild they will be good but it's still a little bit more of a hill to climb the angels need to be a win now team they're not a win now team how they're built they, they should be though that's, that's true. what i'll say um i have that assessment too because you have some guys on one-year deals like trading for rysel iglesias or jose iglesias um one more year of albert pujols too. get him back on the big stage yeah so maybe, so maybe a two-year deal yeah after that contract's done then you can sign everyone but yeah it's it's no secret the angels they need to start doing some winning soon but i've liked what perryman and Ison has done for them on the whole his tenure has has gotten off to a pretty solid start i agree and i mean back to the mets uh i'd have to think they're in on jbj now and maybe kevin pilar uh now that springer's gone just to solidify it defensively. I mean, Brandon Nemo sucks. Every Mets fan I talk to says he sucks. <laughs> they say yeah, I mean, he, they put him at the wall and he still lets balls go over his head. Very hyped coming out of the minor leagues, but been a little disappointing. Um, Jake Mraznik got a lot of their reps out there in center field too last year. Um, but it sure seems like there might be a bidding war between the Astros and the Mets for JBJ. 
uh, might be a little price that's a little steep for the Sox after they've done some spending lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, either of those teams, he would fit well in. I think the Mets right now, just based on my guess, would probably be the leader in the clubhouse for him, all things considered that we've just talked about. But yeah, Kevin Pilar has a great con- uh, great uh, consolation prize for whatever team doesn't get him. Very underrated guy. He was so fun to watch in Boston this year, even if it was only like a month that he was with us. I loved Kevin Pilar. I mean, yeah, when he was with the Giants, he made insane catches in that outfield too, which is very tough to navigate as a center fielder. He's just an all-around – he's a great guy, great defensive wizard. He can still hit a little bit, definitely not as much as he used to with the Blue Jays, but a great guy to have in the lineup. Just He can lay down some bunts. He can still hit for contact somewhat, but he's great in the outfield. Just It offsets all of his offensive uh, inabilities. Yeah, I mean, he got an, a global MVP vote in San Fran, so that, that speaks for itself. Um, but yeah, just a guy like that that makes things happen and gets his uniform dirty. Just the classic grinder that you got to love as a baseball fan. Yeah, no, I agree. See what happens there. Uh, speaking of grinders, Ryan Zimmerman is back. You weren't sure after opting out of 2020 if Mr. National would be coming back in the game at all. But Nats continue to add a lot of veterans to that team. Also, John Lester picking him up. Uh might be the oldest team in the base in baseball, but a lot of good veteran talent too. So it really could go either way with the Nats, but uh, I like that I will, team. I will say, I mean, so you look at I'm gonna use this as a comparison because they're old, like you said. Those Giants teams that won in 12, 10, 12, and 14, those were young mixed with old, but a lot of old presence. This Nats team reminds me of those teams because they got the young guys, Soto and all those guys. But they also got the old guys in Lester and Zimmerman. Um, and Lester, I mean, he's he's not bad. He's still like a, he's still a veteran presence. He can still eat up innings. Um, he's one of those still old guys that eats up innings legit. Um, and Zimmerman, we didn't want to see him go out like that, uh, where he just opted out of the season. We want either he was gonna retire at the end of the World Series, which he didn't, and then he opted out of the season. So you knew he had to play at least one more year. Yeah, Zimmerman's a guy I've always loved. He, I feel like he doesn't get enough buzz. The first draft pick in that team's history, he was a superstar when Bryce Harper got drafted. Then he stole spotlight for a few years and moved on. And Zimmerman was the one consistent throughout. So I thought it was really cool to see him have some big moments in the 2019 postseason. Um, just a guy that's had a legendary career there. Um, and John Lester, another one of that Cubs core that continues to just crumble. <laughs> it's clear that they're rebuilding, but... It's a shame to see for a team that was so tight um, and ultimately really couldn't ever get over the hump again after 2016. They they had some, some runs, but was never quite the same there after that year. And I mean, they won the World Series, so that's their first time in 108 years. So once again, same argument I had earlier, it was well worth it. But it's always, it sucks to see things come to an end like this. But I mean, you needed a replacement for Anibal Sanchez in that Nats rotation, so... You go out and get a guy with a resume like Lester's. Hard not to like it. To slot in behind the big three of uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And seems like Joe Ross or Eric Fetty might still need to pick up the slack in the fifth, sixth starter spots. But now that they don't have to take up two spots in the rotation, you like that more. You would still like to see that Mike, Mike Rizzo address the bullpen a little more. It's always been a big question mark. But on the whole, that team 
they definitely have potential, even if it's veteran potential. And I will say you can get away with having four legit starters and having mysteries at the fifth slash sixth spot uh, in that rotation, just because Scherzer and Lester can both eat up innings and they can, Scherzer can pitch every four days. He would pitch every three days if he could. He would. Um, Strasburg you have to be a little more careful with because of the injuries, but he, he can easily go every five, maybe four sometimes depending on the game. Lester could go every four still probably, I'd say. He doesn't have, he has mileage on his arm, but he's still like, he has a good enough mechanics where he, he can go every four if he needed to. So having a legit one through four and then potential at the fifth, and you don't even need a six, you put the six in the bullpen, is definitely a good situation to be in for them pitching-wise, but they definitely need to shore up the bullpen because even during the World Series run, they had two guys and both of them ended up being mysteries by the end of the World Series. Yeah. Hudson, uh, yeah, those four seamers were getting getting tattooed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Game seven, he was wipeout. But, but yeah, I mean, he was a great pickup for them at the deadline and was really strong throughout the postseason. But the Astros were starting to get on him a little bit at the end. Um, and Doolittle, he unfortunately had a tough season this year, so it's unlikely he'll be back in our nation's capital. Um, another another run that's kind of sad to see come to an end but i'm sure someone will give him a minor league deal or something and he'll have a chance to prove himself because the resume is there um but you're right the nats have a lot of young pitching prospects too that i've heard coming up so i don't think the team's going anywhere and the big reason that they were had a tough season this year was steven strasberg being out for most of it i mean look at what he did in the postseason he lived up to all the hype that he had when he was drafted and more during that postseason. So missing him in 2019 was a huge reason why they struggled. It just set the tone right out of the gate. Um, so they've they've addressed some of the holes. There's still some more work to do, but a team to keep your eye on in a very, very tough division. I, yeah, no, it's going to be – that NL East is going to be great to watch. There's a reason they're featured on Sunday Night Baseball so much because it's just going to be a, it's going to be a battle every time any of them play. Yeah, and you wonder – if the Braves have any more cards up their sleeve, I still don't count out them getting Chris Bryant, even if they've tried to signal they're going to go with Austin Riley. It wouldn't surprise me to see that go down, especially considering the Cubs seem to be in sell mode, hundred percent tank mode and that too. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's always room to improve. And if they get Bryant and they can bring Bryant back to 2016, Bryant, I, I mean, they're going to the World Series in my eyes because the Padres and Dodgers are going to uh, beat each other up, I think. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's another team I would have loved to see get Michael Brantley, kind of fill the Nick Marcakis type role. But yeah. you wonder if Ozuna will come back. He's still sitting out there on the market. No clarity on the DH situation yet. Seems like we probably won't have it, but if teams don't know for sure, that's going to be tough. And if MLB at this point decides they want to, you're kind of putting the National League at a disadvantage because they haven't really had much time to prepare prepare for it. So, And if they just... don't do it, then Ozuna is going to be tough because he's probably asking for a lot of money if he's asking for the same amount he used to be. Um, and if they do do it, Ozuna is going to make $50 million probably because everyone's going to want him. Yeah. I mean, 30 teams versus 15 teams. That's says it all right there. Um, but Nelson Cruz is another guy in the same boat. He's still out there. I'm surprised the twins haven't brought him back yet, especially considering he's 
at his age will be a very reasonable contract. He's been such a good presence in that lineup. Doesn't seem to be slowing down whatsoever. So maybe the Braves look at him instead of Ozuna. Who knows? But no, I seems yeah. to be settled. That's a good point too, because the Twins, you'd think they're going to try to run it back with their uh, record-setting home run team for two years. Um, so, and Cruz was obviously a big part of that because that's all he does. He hits home runs or strikes out because that's pretty much what all the big hitters do now. Yeah. But you'd think, especially at his age, you're right. He's not going to cost a ton. Now the name probably carries a lot, a little bit more weight than a, uh, a younger guy might who hasn't broken out yet. But due to his age, that's going to offset whatever name value he has. And the Twins, I, they have a ton of space, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So they could easily afford them, and they don't have many holes. They could sure up some more pitching, but lineup-wise, they probably need them right there. Yeah, I'd like to see them sure up the bullpen a little bit, especially with Romo on the market still and losing Trevor May to the Mets. Um, but it was a good move for them to bring in Jay Happ, another former Yankee, to go with Michael Pineda in that rotation, and behind the big two of Barrios and Maeda, just some insane talent there. Um, so that's good. They seem content with letting Alex Kirilov prove himself in Eddie Rosario's spot. But the Bomba squad is still mostly intact. Um, just the only thing I'd say is figure out the DH situation and hope that Mitch Garver can bounce back to his 2019 form after kind of a tough season for him this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, fun fact, I was at the Pineda game against the Red Sox when he got caught for using pine tar. <laughs> My favorite part about that whole thing was just how casually he got tossed out the umpire with a nice little soft tap on his neck and then just the, the flick of his wrist to eject him. Yeah, I got a beer tossed on me that game because I was wearing a Rivera jersey. Oh, God. Yeah, the... Uh, I feel uh, like you've got to respect Yankee the Rivera game. jersey, though. It, yeah, definitely have to respect Rivera. The Red Sox-Yankee games in the crowd can be ruthless, especially for... Like, oh, at that time, I know. Giants-Dodgers is bad, too. Yeah. There's fights every <laughs> every time. Way too many stories I've seen online about brawls going on there. Yankees, Red Sox seems to be beer dumping. Giants, Dodgers seems to be brawls. Neither one's good. <laughs> You're not wrong there. And Cubs, Cardinals are just a nice, friendly rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That, that's not an oxymoron at all. But <laughs> And Phillies, Mets, yep, definitely love each other. Yeah. Uh, Best buds. Definitely. Phillies Mets will be a lot more interesting because what team in the NL East isn't good now? The Phillies. They suck. Well, they're just a couple years removed from being the favorite after getting Harper. So the what line is do... still pretty solid. Yeah, what the... did they do after they got Harper? They sucked. <laughs> I mean, you're right. The bullpen was a huge part of that this year. I still really like Joe Girardi managing that team, but... um. Yeah, Dombrowski's addressed the bullpen a little bit, but there's still a lot of holes in that roster. They're very top-heavy. So right now, it's not looking good. Um, even the Marlins are making moves, picking up Anthony Bass to uh, sure up the back end of the bullpen after a nice year in Toronto for him. So yeah, the Phillies, there's, there's more work to be done, but they have a guy that knows how to get that work done. So even if it comes at the cost of some prospects, we will see what happens. It's true. And uh, Alec Bohm was a, a breath of fresh air for that team breaking on the scene. 
finally having some young potential come out of the minors for them for the first time since Nola and Hoskins a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. And uh, I remember Hos- Hoskins is Hoskins when he broke out. Uh, that was the year that I went to the Giants Phillies game. I was very upset at that game because he hit two home runs, and I wanted to. <laughs> I was not happy. He came out gangbusters. He was hitting home runs left and right when he first yeah. got called up. Second half of 2017 or whatever it was, 2016 yeah. maybe. I believe it was 17 because 16 yeah. was the Gary Sanchez run of him doing the same thing. I don't, I don't know why it's second half too. He has had the same thing this year. His, but yeah. his was more the whole year. Well, I mean, the whole short, year was, was short second half this year. Yeah, that's true. Well, his was last year and this year. Like second mm-hmm. half of last year and this whole year. And once again with him, we asked the question, for a team that struggled in the outfield as much as the Orioles, why did they not ever call him up? <laughs> I don't know how, what the Giants did to fix him because apparently he sucked at the, with the Orioles. But whatever they did, they stole him because they got him for like a fifth-round pick. Yeah. They, they, I mean, he's, he's older because I think he's like 30 now, but 30 is not terrible. You can, he's still an outfit. He's outfielder. You don't have to move that much in uh, right field at the Giants at yeah. Oracle. Hope is that he's, there. Hey, there you go. Catching on already. Um, the hope is that he can still be, still be a productive player by the time the competitive window opens up, which might not be too far down the road. They're making some moves to address it. No, if he's 33, if it's three years, 33, 33, like that's Pilar's age. Yeah. He's, he can still be competitive there. And he, he's definitely a, probably a better, better hitter than Pilar, I'd say. Yeah. And not as, if, not as good defensively, but you combine those two and he's a better player, I'd say. At that, as we've said be before, contact hitters are aging well. So he's a contact hitter that can still muscle it out to the bay, too. And that's the best type impressive. of guy right there. Yeah. Which is impressive. He's the poor man's Michael Brantley. I'd say so. I'm not saying, but not too poor. Yeah. No, not at all. I like him. Um, yeah. The name says it all. It does. And he's he's done a good job of making a name for himself, even if his calling card through most of his career has been the name on the back of his jersey. He's done a good job of solidifying his place in the majors. Yeah, for sure. Um, that NL West will be a war. Um, the Padres are just getting better. Joe Musgrove, they're trading and signing for every pitcher available um, to the point where if everybody's healthy in 2022, Chris Paddock might be sent to the bullpen. I mean, there's a ton that can happen in between now and then, but it's That's just crazy wild to, to think see about the depth that, that AJ Preller has built. It's impressive. I mean, you went from the Padres being like, oh, yeah, they're starting to come up at the end of this year when they got eliminated by the Dodgers. So now you're like, they might be a better team than the Dodgers when uh, Clevenger comes back. Yeah, that is a force to be reckoned with. And um, you just want to make sure that Lamette is completely healthy before you say anything because we haven't heard a ton on him after getting hurt at the end of last year. But, yeah, if, if all goes well for that team, watch out. They're going to be special. Yeah, and I mean, you can, even with Lamette, you can give him like a rest year almost because you, you can compete this year, but you're not really going for it until next year when Clevenger's back, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. Like this year, you're going to see what, what kind of chemistry you can build. 
and the next year you're going balls to walls. If I, well, that's what I would do. Yeah. I mean, the rotation is still really good as is now, even without Clevenger. Um, you wonder when Mackenzie Gore will come up. It's been crazy all that they've been able to do and still hold on to the top pitching prospect they got. And Adrian Marehan was pretty well hyped himself as recently as last year. Came on the scene a little bit this year. So, I mean, maybe a little more bullpen help, especially after Kirby Yates signing in Toronto. I mean, not that he was a big factor this season, but Trevor Rosenthal picked up the slack for him. He's still on the market. Um, so, I mean, we can poke holes all day, but that's a damn good team. And Jerickson Profire will fill in more holes around the infield too. I mean, you say they only they didn't even lose their top pitching prospects. They only lost two of their top 10 prospects. That's two blue chippers for all of what they, what they got. They only lost two blue chippers. That's insane. <laughs> AJ Preller is a wizard. He took advantage of the situations to to get Snell Patino. He had to give up. So, I mean, you got to give to get. He'll be good for the Rays, but Blake Snell's a Cy Young Award winner. He's certainly nothing shabby. And she took advantage of the situation the Cubs are in, giving up a lot of super young talent. So it's it's just insane what Preller has done there. I agree. And uh, who knows? Jamison Tyon is rumored to be on the block, and Luis Castillo has been floated too. So if just watch the Padres trade for them too and just build the, the most insane seven-man rotation you've ever seen. It would be insane. Um, Castillo's an interesting one. Just build a 10-man rotation. Just give him two days, two weeks off. They would be well-rested. Castillo's an interesting one, though. I'm not sure if the Reds will trade him. It seems like they've been backing off of it lately. All the Yankees fans wanted that one to happen. But there's a guy with all the potential in the world. That changeup is ridiculous. And he's already made a name for himself being an all-star a few times, but he can be the could maybe be the best pitcher in the league if he's he's on. So Reds fans, you gotta hope that they hold on to him and build around him because otherwise if they don't get an absolute haul for him in a trade, that's a big mistake. Oh yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, I know we saw what we saw um that there was rumors and then there wasn't rumors and then there was and then there wasn't. It's yeah. just gonna be a back and forth. That's how the Reds always are, though. There was that was last year too with a few guys. So I mean, you got to get a ton of guys for him, though. You got to get a lot a haul for him, especially because the Reds have always been mediocre, and they looked like they were actually building something last year. But now they're gonna lose Bauer, obviously, unless he's playing us all, and is gonna sign back with them, which would be spin zone of the century. And I would I would love it. That would be crazy. That'd be quite the content machine. But you got to think they're going to try to get a haul for him or they're not trading him. Yeah, I mean, that team looks awesome this year. I picked them to make a nice run in the postseason. Um, they just they had a lot of veteran, a lot of youth. It seemed like the perfect storm. But now, losing Bauer, it seems like it's kind of just crumbling. Everybody's available in trades. So that's a shame, um, especially considering it took them a few years to rebuild to that point that obviously it was a tough year with covid throwing things off and that extra inning game down in Atlanta, who knows, maybe if they can actually score a run in that game, postseason shakes out a little differently, but yeah, it's tough. The Reds did all that building up and it seems like it was for a window that was only open for one 60 game season. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Tough, tough, tough life in Cincinnati. City sucks and your team is mediocre. <laughs> and your football team is the only team without an indoor practice facility. What are you doing? Oh. If Joe Burrow's uh, Joe Burrow's entire leg has anything to say about it, they'll be they'll be on the rise sometime soon. It's true. Um, but yeah, that NL Central is wide open with seemingly no one wanting to win it. The Brewers will probably win that division by accident. I mean, they got a good team with uh, Woodruff and um, all the pitchers they got, and the lineup is still solid if Yelich bounces back. So. Could still be potentially a little run from the Brewers, but I don't think they're going to make a trip in the postseason because the talent in the NL West and NL East is so strong that it's probably going to overpower them. I'm sorry, Brewers fans, but... No, I agree. Um, maybe things shake out a little differently if everybody's healthy, but you kind of knew that the Dodgers were going to take care of business in that wild card series. Yeah, no, you... It's, it wasn't a hard prediction. Yeah. But nonetheless, a stingy team that's always tough to play in the regular season. Craig Council's an awesome manager. And they know how to make the most out of the little money they have available for them. So I'll never count the Brewers out, per se. No, I wouldn't either. The, somehow they did well without Yelich, like you said. And who knows, maybe Yelich will bounce back. It, it was a weird. It was a weird season. Yeah, a lot of that probably will hinge on the whole in-game video debate. He was another guy that was vocal about that being a concern for him because a lot of those guys depend on it. And and yeah, it's just another effect of COVID kind of ruining a lot of what we love about our sport. No, I agree. Sucks. But it is what it is. Nothing, I mean... It's COVID, it's the Astros, it's a lot of stuff. Nothing you can really do about it. Can't Complaining gets you nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's just been the, the perfect storm of some tough things happening. But unfortunately, as you said, it is what it is. You just have to do the best you can with it. And that was no excuse for the Dodgers. Even after seeing David Price opt out of the season, they thought he'd be a big member of their rotation. And they did just fine winning the World Series. So, Exactly. You're right. He's another guy the Dodgers have back, so. Yeah, that rotation gets deeper and deeper. I definitely don't count him out. Um, he is a tough guy and has had a great track record in his career. I agree. It's, uh, I mean, I, I think he might be, a, uh, people might think he's a little better than he is going to be for the Dodgers, but he can definitely do some damage on the mound for sure. Yeah. I mean, even if he's in the back end of the rotation, as long as he makes anywhere from 20 to 30 starts and is fairly durable, definitely not a guy to count out. Exactly. Um, while we're speaking of COVID, there was one more story that just came to light a few days ago. Um, obviously, it's infected a lot, affected a lot of teams' finances, but the Orioles had a weird story about their financial situation. They're offering salary deferrals to guys like Anthony Santander and Trey Mancini about their 2021 contracts in a way of kind of saving money short term, which would make 20, like 25% of their salary. I think it was pushed back. Um, it's been like 
type of thing that might happen in a contract negotiation here and there. But for a one-year arbitration deal, it's they said multiple agents and arbitration experts, it was unheard of. It's just a strange story kind of there in Baltimore, trying to make the money work um, for a team that doesn't have much of a big payroll to begin with. Well, I mean, Chris Davis is their entire payroll. That's He's true. got, what, one or two more years left? Uh, yeah, something like that. And yeah, Alex Cobb is $15 million, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, those two take up most of their – they don't – they got like $50 million on payroll anyway. So it's a weird to come from a team like that. Obviously, you're not going to see a big market team like the Dodgers do that because they don't need to. But maybe mm-hmm. like a small market team, smaller market team like the Brewers who – uh, or the Braves who are a little cap strapped or t- salary tax strapped. Um, you could see pulling something like this. I still don't understand why it's happening. It seems a little peculiar, especially for them, but just in general, it's a, definitely a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, the revenue losses have totally changed the picture. It's just frustrating because you don't hear much of this happening in the other sports, um, NBA and NHL and the NFL too. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams playing without fans and baseball is one of the only sports you hear a lot of complaints from the owners about. So it's tough. Um, you have a lot of these small market teams trying to get creative and it's it's just a touchy situation because there's not a lot of talent being brought in and a lot of teams are tearing it down and rebuilding. So it's a perfect I mean, excuse for some of them. You hear the NHL commissioner, Bettman, saying, yeah, we'll lose over a billion dollars if we play the season this year. They're playing the season. The owners are willing to lose that money. Now, I don't know about the Bruins owner because he's cheapo. Um, but I don't like the MLB owners would lose the bananas if they were told that was the case. Yeah. Um, like they're cheaper than any owner in sports. You've heard plenty of owners complaining about it and it's, it's affected a lot of teams. There's only a handful of teams that are taking advantage of the situation right now. It's been pretty clear throughout the off season. So yeah, it's it's tough for a lot of teams like the Orioles, and you have to feel for their fans going through this because even if that ballpark's not always packed, there are plenty of passionate fans for all of these teams, Orioles included. So it's it's just it's a tough situation you don't want to see. I completely agree. All right. Well, did you have anything else to add on the MLB from this week? No, I mean, I, I it was definitely in the news more than most weeks. I would say that. It was definitely a bigger week for the MLB, obviously due to not happy cases and then a lot of happy cases for players. But it was an interesting week. Uh, I know the one thing we didn't talk about was the Mets GM news with uh, Jared Porter. Um, obviously, it's a little awkward of a situation, but that's just dumb, man. You can't do that. I mean, I hate to break out the phrase, especially in 2021, but in this age of technology you can't get away with anything like that and just obviously well, he, it's something you never should do in the first place it's he did it in I, 2016 I don't know what if i'm if i'm not wrong but that doesn't matter and i mean espn waiting on the story until he's a big name i get both sides of it like you want the story to be big so you wait till he's a big name but also he's going around for four years doing that to definitely more women which is yeah. messed up but also how crazy do you have to be? Like after three messages, you get to realize she's not into you. Sixteen, and then to send up, he's sixty-two. Oh God! And then he's six. The sixty-second was uh, a dick pic, so you can't, you can't send that. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't know what he was thinking on that one. It's pretty clear to just about everybody that that's a, a very poor decision. And that's something that a woman doesn't want. I don't know why you would ever think that was a good idea. So it's it's tough for the Mets because they had no idea this was going on when they hired him. And it's it's a tough look for Porter. But it's also showing a change in the Mets culture with uh, Cohen where they fired him immediately the next morning. Yeah, I got right now, on with that. The, with the Wilpons, you don't know what would happen. But to, Cohen obviously did the right move, did it right away, as, well, as soon as he woke up the next morning because it broke mm-hmm. at night. And that's that's a big deal for changing Mets culture. Obviously, the whole situation is very Mets with that happening. <laughs> but the changing of the culture is also a good thing for Mets fans. Yeah, that's it's refreshing for Mets fans to see the owner caring as much as Steve Cohen does. And thankfully for the Mets, they're still in good hands with Sandy Alderson. He's just had the world of experience, and they said they're going to wait on hiring a new GM until next season. So a tough situation, but thankfully the Mets have responded as they should have. So that's been good to see. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, on a brighter note, here at Beyond the Diamond, we we stressed originally when we we're first doing this show that we're going to be a college baseball podcast too. And with not much going on in college baseball world, we've been talking MLB to fill in the gaps here, but today we're going to get started a little bit with college baseball because that is our passion as college baseball managers. We want to have a nice platform to talk about that. So today we're going to dive into the latest power rankings that came out a few days ago. So uh, Colby, let me give some, let me give you the floor to uh, offer your thoughts on some of that a little bit. So, I mean, Top two, obvious, Florida, UCLA. Those consensus top two. The order, I think, is where people have an issue. There's a lot of people who say the SEC bias is why Florida is number one and not UCLA. I see a lot of people on social media saying UCLA is going to show them. To be honest, I haven't done too much research yet because we're just getting back into stuff. But I could, you could make a case for either one. Uh, 2020, I mean, Florida was 16 and one. Their final rank was number one. UCLA was 13 and two. Uh, their rank was five. So you, I could see a case for either one. I think the way they have it right now is pretty good. Uh, Texas Tech at three, Vanderbilt at four, Louisville at five. I like all those. Vanderbilt at four, um, I definitely like. Louisville at five, I, I love. Texas Tech, I think, could go on a run this year. They had definitely had a hot start last year, and I think they can continue that this year um TCU at 10 shout out Ryan Sporden they weren't even ranked last year uh that's a great uh place for them to be um and then the one surprise for me is uh Michigan they won the college world series two years ago then they got their asses whooped by uh UConn last year yes sir Um, Michigan got off to a tough start in 2020 uh UConn won three games against them. Um, they had the series over in Arizona and then played one in Florida the next weekend, and we handled them quite well. So that was that was awesome to see, and it seems as though it's had a big effect on Michigan. Um, you had Jeff Criswell. They lost him in the draft. He was their de facto ace, so that's tough, but it is definitely surprising not to see them in the top 25 right now. Yeah, any, any other surprises for you? Uh, I still feel like Vanderbilt will move up in the rankings. Tim Corbin every year. It's just a monster of a coach. Um, obviously, Florida, UCLA, Texas Tech, some special teams right there. But Vanderbilt returning Rocker and later as the one-two punch. 
both of those guys are going to go really high in the draft as long as nothing crazy happens this season, which obviously we hope that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, I feel like Vanderbilt will, will rise up those boards pretty quick just with their track record. Um, but it's hard not to love. Even some of the guys Florida lost in the draft, that team's still stacked with potential. UCLA is always making noise. And um, in terms of teams that weren't ranked last year, Texas is climbing back up at nine. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned with TCU, otherwise it seems like a, a pretty standard uh, list of power rankings. Nothing that stands out too much. A lot of teams that are making noise every year. Um, uh, there is two others, I will say. Miami always seems to be up in the top 10. They're at 21. So that's a little interesting. Maybe they know something we don't, but yeah. I assume they'll climb back up in there. And then Mississippi State at seven. They ended the year at 17 last year at 12 and four. Um, that's a little, I, I know based on social media, they promote really well, but I, I'm not really sure how they're going to do this year. I think they lost a few guys to the draft, if I'm not mistaken. So seven seems a little high. Maybe they gained a few legit prospects. If I'm, I could be wrong about that though. Mm. Yeah, definitely a team to keep your eye on. Um, East Carolina sneaking in at 25, team you don't always hear too much about. So it's kind of cool when you see some smaller names like that that might not be household names sneaking in the rankings. Um, usually the only Carolina you hear about is Coastal Carolina, and they're not, not even included in, here. in the 25 at the moment. Um, Virginia and Wake Forest at 16 and 17. Virginia is usually up there. Yeah, Wake's Virginia, up I'm there. sure, will we'll climb uh, Mike Vassell on there, uh, Boston College High School. Uh, our alma mater of Zavarian had a, uh, had a nice day against him a few years ago, but um, his pedigree will, I'm sure, translate to success at Virginia. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's not, it, they're, they're legit rankings. I, I, I'm not really surprised by much besides the Michigan one. That's definitely a shocker. Yeah. And you have to assume they'll, they'll be climbing the boards at some point soon, but but yeah, it's it's odd not see them on there. And who yeah, knows? Sure. UConn has a nice team, so maybe we will be sneaking in at some point in the season mm-hmm. once we get hot. We're going to win the max, so that probably won't do anything for the rankings, though, so who knows? <laughs> but, I mean, we were looking, starting to look good last year um, with the Michigan series. We played a very competitive game against Vanderbilt. Um, our ace, Nick Croth, was uh, signed by Texas. Uh, the Rangers, I should say, just so nobody gets confused here um, <laughs> after the draft. Um, but Ben Kasparius will be probably the ace, um, the North Carolina transfer. He's looking to be really good. So there's, and some of the seniors that were supposed to be gone after this season with the NCAA rules have returned. So I'm liking what uh, the Huskies will bring, bring into the table this year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't argue that. You guys got a good team. Uh, is Big East, play- Big East is playing outside of conference too, right? Uh, yeah, we'll have a few games outside of conference. So that's big for building continuity. We're, yeah. we're in a little tougher. We're starting the season March 20th, so we're starting later. But once we start, it's all conference games, so it's going to matter big time. And all doubleheaders, four games a weekend, it's going to be tough. But we're definitely bringing back a bunch of veterans at Fairfield. Uh, I believe it's like – I think it's – I don't know the exact number, but there's definitely a lot of guys who are coming back on their fifth years. Definitely a lot of seniors, a very older team, uh, eight freshmen, I believe. 
uh, four sophomores that start uh, various games. Um, and we, we got a good staff this year, bunch of lefties, which is surprising, but uh, it's going to be a fun season. Yes, and we, we're bummed not to see UConn and Fairfield matching up on the schedule this year, but normally we do. So hopefully next year or maybe even a postseason run, we will be seeing each other and have a little rival managing going on from, see you from your favorite podcast hosts here. Yeah, we'll do a live podcast during the game. <laughs> that would be great. We will be fighting each other for a camera spot. <laughs> exactly. So a lot to look forward to there. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season. Definitely. It, it's going to be so great to have college baseball back after 2020. I mean, it was tough for everybody, but college baseball, especially with only getting some of the Southern teams 20 games, some of the Northern teams barely even five in. So it will be so good to see college baseball back up and running. And you hope maybe by the time Omaha rolls around, most of us can be vaccinated and we can be in attendance. I agree. That's playing, of course. Yes, that is, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so much to look forward to. The season's starting up soon. I know that uh, I'll be back at practice once my move-in quarantine ends, I'm sure. You'll be heading over there soon as well. So it'll be yeah. great for us to get back to. It's going to be fun. Swing of things. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. Can't wait to get back to it. Yes, sir. It'll be awesome. Um, so if anybody has any thoughts on college baseball, shoot us a tweet at Beyond the Diapod on Twitter or a DM, Beyond the Diamond Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear you guys' ideas or even any other college managers out there if if you want to join us to talk about your team, we would love to have you. We are always yeah. happy to have some guests. Yeah, anyone is welcome. We'd love, love to have your thoughts. It would be cool to get some perspective from a Southern school considering the Northeast college baseball is a very different scene from what they have going on down there. Oh yeah, for sure. That'd be, that'd be a cool one to have if there's anyone out there. Yeah, everybody winning in their own ways. We do it hard school, nose to the grindstone. And not that they don't, they, I'm sure they do, but it's a lot easier being able to be outside year round without having to worry about the baseball being a block of ice. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's very true. I know we can't even use the field for a while because the field's frozen, so. Oh God. Don't think the Southern schools have that issue. Nope, I don't think so. Doesn't, I don't hear too many stories that happening down in Florida or Texas. Yeah, no. All right, guys. Uh, that's it for today's show. Uh, thank you. Uh, we had fun talking to you guys about, uh, I mean, the sad stuff, obviously. This is a tribute episode to Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank. Uh, wish him uh, rest in peace, best in heaven, uh, best to his family. Tough times, but we'll get through it. Um, and hope nothing else happens bad this week. Uh, make sure to tweet us, like Hunter said, at Beyond the diapod on twitter or uh dm us on at beyond the diamond podcast and make sure to check out instagram for uh our uh any posts that we'll have about the show um and see you next week all right guys thanks for listening and spread the word to your friends <laughs>